Thank you, Jay. Good morning. Welcome back to some of you. I hope you had a good week. How many of you actually celebrate spring break? Okay, well, that's good, right? Right? Okay, good, good. You know, I hope it was restful for you, even if you didn't celebrate. I hope that you had rest. Uh, if you're a student, I hope you had rest, right? Because the tests are coming. They're not coming for you? You don't take those? You, you clepped out, didn't you? Well, that's nice. That's really nice for you. We had a good week. It was good. We went to San Antonio and spent some time with the family, and uh, we stayed in one of those historical hotels. My wife still will not stay in the Minger because of the ghost stories, apparently, but we stayed in the Gibbs, which is right across from the Alamo. No ghosts, which is good, um, but the last day we were there, you know, it was just, I wanted to get up early, so I got up early, got my kids breakfast, went downstairs, and, and I saw the, the breakfast room, and it had a nice corner window, and I said, Shelly's got to see this, so I get her up, it's early, she's not an early riser, and so it was a, it was, it was a struggle, and she was nice. But I just said, she needs to see this. It's beautiful, you know. So she walked in, and it was bright, and she started to look around, and she sat down, and the face that she had um, said it all to me. And I said, what is wrong? This is pretty. And she says, did you not look around? And I don't know what I missed, but it was completely under construction, this whole area. (laughs) The wall, I mean, literally, there were pencil markings on the wall, um, they had, there was drywall that had been taped up. The chairs were in tatters and ripped. It was, it was just horrible. And I said, how did I miss this? Um, anyway, I, which let me know, sometimes I need her to help me see the details. <laughs> and sometimes she needs me just to get breakfast and to get out of bed. So, you know, we need each other, right? And I think it's the same way with us, too, here in this, in this church family. We need one another. Um, today we're, we're continuing our series that's going to take us through Resurrection, uh, through Easter Sunday, and, uh, and I hope it's been helpful for you so far. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage each and every one of you to invite someone on Easter Sunday. It could be a friend, a relative, uh, a neighbor, or maybe even just an acquaintance, somebody that you see uh, at Starbucks or something. Invite someone to our Easter Sunday service. And I'm also going to say, you guys are great at inviting and welcoming. I'm going to encourage you, let's be welcoming to one another too, to those people that are here for the first time, to the people that are here uh, for the 400th time. Let's show people who you are because people need to know you. Um, one thing I, I have learned though is that sometimes people who are invited aren't always welcomed. Does that make sense? Bob Goff is an author, and he, he says, I have been invited to a lot of places I have not been welcomed. <laughs> so I'm going to encourage you, do what you do best. Invite and welcome people. And let, let's just let's shoot for Easter Sunday. I think it'll be a good day. Um, if, if, you ha- if, if there's people in here that you're afraid to meet again, it's okay. I know that there are people that maybe sit on this side, uh, and you know you may feel like I've met them before. I actually met a brand new person here this morning. Ed Houston is his name. I talked to him this morning. <laughs> I guess he's new. I don't know, but very pleasant, lovely man. Lovely man. You need to get to know him. <laughs> That's a joke. I've met him before. But the thing is, is that there are some of us, uh, and I, I'm one of those. I, I've just said, you know, I'm just going to own it. And if, if I've met you before and I come and meet you again, I, you're right. I don't know you yet. And that's okay. 
Um, same with y'all. If you've been going here together for seven, eight years and you don't know each other, that's okay. Say hello. Introduce yourself again. Say, yeah, I know, I know you, but it's okay. Because I think we can help one another. And that connection that we make when we meet and greet and welcome each other, I think those are the moments that keep us together. You know, and when people come here for the very first time, they're not just coming to come. People are looking for something. They're looking for a better way. They're looking for the right way. They are looking for help as they move forward, especially in the midst of the craziness of our world. And the thing that I love is that you guys know the road. You know the way forward. So let's share it with people. I mean, many of us are traveling it right now. We're following the road. So let's, let's invite people to come along with us. Let's start Easter Sunday, and let's see what happens from there. Let's pray together as we begin our, our conversation. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for you. Thank you for the spirit and the energy that is in this church family. Lord, thank you for those people who, even though the difficulties of the week have been heavy, are still here. Lord, those people who, who could be doing something else, but right now they have chosen to come so that they can encourage one another. Lord, there are so many people here who need encouragement. Lord, help us to do that today. Teach us through your word this morning, through the words of Jesus, through his life and his actions, what it means to continue the way forward. We love you and we ask that you would speak to us this morning and that we could hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll start with this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one is going to get to God unless it's through Him. You believe that with me? I believe it. Jesus is the way. His way is the way. Walking His way. Walking His road. And my question is, are you walking? That was the question we asked last week. Are you walking? Have you chosen to seek out the narrow road? You know, our future, our destination is determined by the roads that we choose. So have you found the narrow road? Are you still looking? Because there are people in here who can help you find it if you are still looking. Are you walking closely enough to Jesus, closely enough to your rabbi that you're covered in his dust? Remember that from last week. Because the road that Jesus walked, that road has been made available to us. The map is here, and it will lead us to resurrection and to life. So turn to Luke chapter 9 for me. Luke chapter 9, this is where we're going to be. We're going to be in a couple places, but mainly this one little, this one little passage here. Luke chapter 9. All right, so in Luke, this, this moment in Luke chapter 9 is kind of the... This is the, that place where the entire book kind of changes tone, all right? This is uh, the moment whenever Jesus kind of comes to his own crossroads moment. Uh, Jesus and his followers had just had that moment in Caesarea Philippi. Uh, he had asked uh, them, who do people say that I am? And what did Peter say? He said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He was basically making his great confession. This just happened. Uh, and then in Luke 9, a little later, it says they went on to a mountain. 
Now, the closest mountain to this Caesarea Philippi is Mount Hermon. I don't know if this is the place this actually happened, but it might be. You never know. Uh, but they went to, the, to, the, to this mount, and probably, a, let's just say it's one of the lower slopes of Mount Hermon. And this is where the transfiguration took place. Okay, so this is where we're going to begin today's conversation. So, so Peter, James, and John, they followed Jesus. They're walking behind him. They followed him to this Mount Hermon, up to this place to pray. And while they're here, all of a sudden, Jesus is kind of in a distance, and then Moses and Elijah appear. Jesus is with these two figures, and there's a cloud, and it's, it's this amazing moment, right? Peter, is, I'm, he's probably asleep. He wakes up enough to see that there's three people, and he just says, that's Elijah and Moses. And he says, it's good for us to be here. And then he says, uh, Let, let's go. This is it. This is whenever it's happening. It's the, everything's coming to, to fruition right now. And, and then he offers to set up some tents, right? But then a cloud surrounds, and this is the voice saying is this working yeah it says this is my son my chosen listen to him we read in john 12 a little earlier there was also a voice some thought it was thunder other heard the voice of god so so peter james and john although they're kind of asleep it's probably late at night they are following as best as they can and they woke up long enough to catch a glimpse into the kingdom of heaven These men were following closely enough to Jesus to hear the voice of God in this moment, to see Jesus' face shine brightly. Now, Jesus heard this voice too. And I think we can't gloss over this moment as just another another encouragement from Dad, right? This is is pretty significant. Because Luke is spending some time letting you know exactly what happened because Jesus was not the same when he left that mountain as he was when he went up on it. He had been changed, transformed. Uh, it's not the first time God has talked to him. He did it at his baptism as well. But, but this is a question I've been asking myself. What kind of confidence would that give Jesus to hear this statement from the voice of God. What kind of confidence would that give him? I mean, imagine if you heard that. If you heard, you are my chosen. Mm. How would that give you confidence to fulfill your mission? This moment transformed Jesus in many ways. It changed his face. It clarified his focus. For this road that was to come. And, and this was a road that would lead him through Jerusalem. So this is what it says in verse 51. It says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. I found this picture and... You know who that is? Yeah, well, you can just kind of tell, right? And you know the, the road he faced... Looking, looking ahead at the road that was before him. I just thought that was an interesting picture. I wonder what, what Jesus, what he looked like when he was facing Jerusalem. Now, it says he set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
Now, some translations say that Jesus resolutely set his face towards or, or Jesus had determined in his heart. Now, the literal meaning of this phrase here is he solidified his face for the journey. Now, what that means is, you know, I know it's, if you look at the Jewish culture and the language, it's a lot of pictures and, and, and it's a lot of imagery. So imagine your jaw clenching. You know the moment when you get really determined and you, your jaw clenches? I don't know. That's it's, it's the image that they used. So it's like his face tightened. His jaws clenched. There was determination there. Solidified. It was made strong. It was tough. You know, Jesus became determined to travel the 105 miles to Jerusalem to suffer and to die. He resolutely set his face forward. Now, they might have used the word face particularly because whenever devout Jews would pray, they would face Jerusalem. When you were praying and they prayed a lot, they would face Jerusalem. It's a pivotal moment for Jesus because because Jerusalem, well, it, it it was kind of the goal. It wasn't the destination, but it was his goal. It was the reason he came. He knew he needed to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was always the goal. It was the reason he came. He knew that the only way for him to get to God was to go through Jerusalem. Now the tone becomes more serious. People began to reject him, dismiss him. This is what it says, 52. And he sent messengers ahead of him on their way, and they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. This is a good reminder, too, because because we need to be reminded that that even though we are completely focused on something, not everyone is going to be willing to participate with us. Just because you've determined to do something doesn't mean other people are either going to participate or even approve. Jesus had a singular focus here. Jerusalem was it, and it was the narrow road ahead. So the question is, are we focused on the road ahead of us? Now for Jesus, whenever his, his, his vision became clear, whenever he was really clear in his focus, the conditions seemed to become a little more severe. We see that his conversations shifted to betrayal and suffering. His followers began to become more combative and argumentative and, and self-obsessed power hungry in fact James and John right after this they wanted to destroy this village because they said no you know they were looking for a road that was paved with power and control individual and national independence you know status position seems to be the road most people are on today but Jesus was going to show them that the road forward would be found through sacrifice and trust complete dependence on God I mean, do we depend on God for everything? When things aren't going well? When those we love are suffering? When we are suffering? And I will tell you, there's a lot of suffering in here. Some suffering could be self-inflicted. But as we talked in our class this morning, a lot of suffering is because of the evil one. Satan is doing his very best his very best to cause our worst. Do 
Do we depend on God whenever things aren't going well? Or do we want to just take control and, and try to fix it? Or could we submit to God, let Him do the work, depend on Him to be with us and light the way even in the midst of the worst of our moments? Hebrews 5, if you don't think Jesus went through the worst of moments because of Satan and because of His willingness to submit to God, look at Hebrews 5. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. How many of us have done that and are doing that right now? He lifted these up to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Now, Jesus was resolute. He was determined to be dependent on God for everything. To be submissive because his eyes were focused on his Father. His destination, even though his road was going to be difficult, he would still choose to walk it. You know, our way forward more than likely will be difficult as well. It will include suffering of some kind. But I know this, if you endure, you will learn obedience. You will learn dependence. You will learn peace. Believe it or not, you will learn wholeness. You will learn empathy. You know, through some of the suffering Shelly and I have experienced in our life, our eyes have been opened to other people who are suffering the same kinds of things. I, can, I call it holy empathy. You know, holy empathy in a, in, a, in a family like this. You know those people who are suffering alongside you. Holy empathy, it brings people together. It solidifies relationship and mission and focus with, with spiritual mortar that cannot decay or, or be destroyed. This is holy and sacred. Suffering, it strengthens us and it, it strengthens our sensitive feet as we're walking forward. Makes us keenly aware of those people that are walking alongside of us. And it also teaches us patience and gives us the strength to endure. Endurance, it's a skill, isn't it? I kind of look at it as a, as a spiritual muscle. You know, like our imagination is like a muscle. You know, the more we use it, the bigger it gets. The less we use it, we're not very imaginative. It's a, it's a skill. Endurance is the exact same way. About 10 years ago, I was running a lot. I wanted to look better at 40 than I did at 30, you know? And so I was running like three, four times a week, and I felt good. You know, I, it, got, it got cold, and I got a little sick, and I stopped running. I, I did it to mainly meet my target weight, which I did, and then some. But I stopped running. I know you can't tell. <laughs> but um, Anyway, um, a friend of mine started running at the exact same time. And he's this engineer at NASA. I mean, he's, he's like Sheldon right? Um, he is a brilliant, brilliant mind, but he started running too. And we start, we kind of swap stories, but he got really hardcore into it because he loved to run, loved it. And he kept running and he kept running and he kept running even after I stopped. So in the last 10 years, as I stopped running, he's kept going. He has uh, done multiple marathons. He's done the Boston marathon. He's run up and down Mount Fiji a few times. He's done uh, some international events. And for fun, 
for fun, he does uh, the Houston Marathon. He's a pace setter for the three-hour group for fun, right? Um, this, pa- <laughs> yeah. this past Tannis, is it fun to run like that? Okay, it's hard. I know some people in here love it. They love to run, right? So last Friday, he ran a 5K and won it. Then the next morning, he ran a marathon and won it. I will have to say that that is the kind of endurance that has come from hours and hours and miles and miles and looking at the finish line, being willing to endure the suffering. You know, that's not easy. I'm not going to go into some of the details of what happens when you run marathons, but, but you've got stress fractures sometimes. You get sick. It's hard. Your muscles hurt. You ache. That kind of endurance that he has is masterful. But it's been gained through enduring the suffering. You know, and it's also showed him a side of himself that, that he probably never knew he had for the first 40 years of his life. Had he never taken that first step forward, he may never have known the person or the capabilities that God has given him. What about us? Are we still walking? Are some of us running? Do we even remember why we're walking to begin with? Let me remind you, in Philippians 3, Paul says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. And so somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead, Join together in following my example, he says. Brothers and sisters, and, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, destination. Who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies, that they will be like His glorious body. That's the destination. Transformation. Wholeness. How resolute are you? How focused are we on our destination? I'm going to play a video. It's not going to have any sound, but I'm going to walk you through it. So let's go ahead and play that real quick. Now, this is skydiver Luke Akins. He had an idea. He was going to um, land on the top of a target about the same size as from here to the back door over there. 100 feet by 100 feet. Um, it's a large area. He was going to hit this target from 25,000 feet. And when you're at 25,000 feet, things look differently, don't they? The target may be hard to see. So you have to trust the, that this pilot has kind of pointed you in the right direction. So Luke trusted his pilot and his friends who were helping guide him uh, to his destination. Uh, he's resolute. He is focused, completely confident that he was going to reach it. So confident that he decided to make this jump without a parachute. No lie. Without a parachute. The guy in green does not have a parachute on. How focused do you think he is on his target? <laughs> now granted, he's aware of his surroundings who he's with, the ones who've helped him get to this point. 
But in this moment, his destination is everything to him. It's a matter of life and death. So I would think he is resolute. In a second, you're going to see the target and what it looks like from a, from a, a distance. No parachute, by the way. Now, what I love is that he, he, he did not do this alone. He had guides. He had friends, people who were with him most, most every step of the way. They're watching. They're helping him. And this is why what we do here is so important. Look at that. That's the target. The little square is the target. What we do here matters because we're helping one another reach our destination. That's why I spent so long talking about that at the beginning, at the beginning because it's important. Because together, we're going to reach our destination through Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. That just makes my hands sweat. I'll just let you take this in for a second. Oh, my goodness. What I love is that there are people watching him go. (laughs) Here are two things I want to leave you with. Two things I want to leave you with. Keep your eyes on the destination. Help one another to remember where we're going. Because we're not just doing this to do it. We have got, we have got a place we're going. And we're going there together. This is Jesus we're talking about. Eternity with God. Forever in peace and, and transformed bodies and minds. Wholeness. When we have our eyes on Jesus... On the destination ahead, He will lead us to the end. And second, I want to say this, keep going and endure. Endure when it's good, endure when it isn't. When you are well, thank God. When you are suffering, endure. And submit, depend on God. Endure. Keep walking. Run if you can. Run, but, but keep following Jesus. And if you have trouble standing, then let someone help you stand. That's why we're here. Move. Reach out if you have to. Reach out. Yell out like the man did to Jesus. Son of man, son of David, help me! If you have to yell, yell. Because sometimes, I'll admit, we don't always pay attention to the construction going on around us. Move together. Help one another endure. And I think that you will learn the power of the body of Christ, the power of God made perfect in our weaknesses. It's made perfect when we are weakest. So remember your destination. Endure to the end. And if you need to be reminded of the destination right here, right now, I'm here. Our elders will be around. They'll be ready for you. Let us help you. And if you can, help one another. Help someone who's next to you. If you need prayer, grab someone closest to you. Come see me now or after. See our elders now or after. Let's endure. Because we know our destination. Let's stand together. And let's sing. Mm-hmm.